back to the newest episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Paula Moore, who checks off many of those boxes. How are you today, Paula? Good. How are you, Matt? I am wonderful. Of course, my, my plug just popped out, so let me fix that, because if my computer dies in the middle of this, that's not going to be fun for anyone. <laughs> so, Paula, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been a music industry executive for 20 years and did some innovative stuff in the music industry around identifying emerging talent for signing consideration at major labels, and I've had eight startups that are all surrounded, um, surrounding around, all surrounding music and creativity. And I, I wrote it. a book. And I wrote and, a book. And you wrote a book. Well, we'll come back to that because I think you're, you're. I, I know you're very humble um, because what you just said doesn't actually do justice to what you've accomplished in the music industry, right? Mm, I guess. <laughs> Since Paula's not going to say it herself, Paula is the first female executive um, in artisan repertoire, correct? Well, I was the first female in our research executive. Okay. See, there we go. Um, how, and that was how many years ago? You don't have to give the exact, but you've been in the business for a while, right? Yeah, probably 20. Mm -hmm. And when did you know you wanted to write a book? Uh, I guess, you know, it was a couple of years ago. So before the pandemic, I started working on it and the book, um, was essentially supposed to just be about my philosophy around building and maintaining your creative house. A lot of creatives that I work with don't necessarily protect their creative entity, um, as they would protect their own home. So I, I started working on, on that concept um, probably, you know, the year before the pandemic hit and then really started getting serious about it during the pandemic when I didn't have uh, a lot of the client work that I normally have. <laughs> so I filled my time with the, with the book concept. And, and I can say firsthand, you definitely were more prepared to write a book than most. So kudos to you for that and all the effort you put in and compiling the information and knowing the direction that you wanted to go. Thanks, man. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Paula uh, worked with Pen for Hire, uh, one of our favorite clients, absolute joy to work with. Um, if you could give give the viewers a little insight as to how you organized your thoughts? Like, what did the writing process look like for you? Well, I mean, it kind of was just like a, a blob of information at first. And then I started organizing it in, in a flow um, similar to like songwriting or, 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 or any like creative endeavor, you know, even like I do a lot of presentations. I do a lot of like strategy work. So I kind of formulated around like how I would deliver a strategy and just inserted information in a very long document uh, that needed to <laughs> have some help at some point, but I got it to, to a place where I felt like it was cohesive enough information that I could then shift it into a, to a book format. 
Got it. Um, and having seen that that blob evolve, um, I can say that the key is you really were transparent. You were you were vulnerable. You put everything down on paper instead of trying to figure out what not to share with your readers. Yeah, I, I did do that. You know, and some things didn't make the cut, but I just wanted to put everything into one place and then kind of figure out where where it all how it all worked together. And what was the most valuable information um, to share with people? Yeah, and that makes it so much more authentic, right? Because you're figuring out later what maybe doesn't fit as opposed to censoring yourself in the process. Um, how did that feel once you had all of like, and I want you to tell people a little more about the book as well, um, but getting all of those experiences off your chest and like out there for the world to hear? Well, I I think that some people, now that the book's out and I've gotten feedback, some people have asked me, like, was that a cathartic experience or, you know, even wondering if it made, if it gave me some sense of relief or, or, or what have you, but, but really I wasn't so attached to that information any longer. Like I had already lived it. So re I felt like it was a repurposing to help other people. And that's the angle I came from. So I guess it didn't like emotionally affect me as much. I mean, reliving some of those stories was hard, writing them down. But the reality was I wasn't looking at it like it was a it was a thing I was doing for myself. I was doing it for other people. So it just it it, it didn't feel cathartic. It, it it felt like I was sharing something of value. And, okay. and that's the angle I was coming from. And I mean, you definitely did share something of value because of the experiences that you went through. Um, anyone who's looking to maybe carve out a path for themselves in the music industry has this handbook of maybe the, and the title of the book is Glitter and Grit, but you give a little insight into some of the things that aren't quite as glamorous in the music industry as people might think because they only see this outward persona. Yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a, a misconception or just lack of understanding of the amount of work you have to do as a creative professional, especially in the music industry. There's so much that goes into the process, whether that process ends up being successful or not. It's still a lot of work to get to the end result. And then you have to keep going, no matter if it was disappointing or not. Like, And, and you still have to like redo the work every time. It's always like a lot of work to get to that end result. That is such a great point. I mean, whether it's the music industry, whether it's professional sports, whether it's writing a book, anything that you're going to do in life that's worth doing is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's great. It's always helpful when you have an expert, like someone who's been there and done that to share that knowledge. So anyone who's who's getting started in that particular career or any career doesn't have to make the same mistakes you did or maybe not even mistakes, but they can learn how to get ahead quicker. Yeah, just, and, and having a clearer picture or understanding of what someone's been through, I think always helps when, when, you're, when you're on a creative endeavor period, like knowing that your your self-doubt or your you know worries has been through that knowing someone else has has had experiences that 
or missteps that that you want to try to not have. Um, I think that's extremely valuable and helpful. I, I wish I'd had someone to share those types of experiences and stories with me as I was, you know, moving on in my career. Absolutely. And what um, I know you said you're getting feedback from others. So overall, I mean, I love the book. I'm partial. So what uh, what are people saying about the book? Matt, I think what one of the most interesting things that I've been taking recently is, you know, a lot of the podcasts and interviews I've been doing have been with men. You know, I, I think I've only had one. I have only had one interview with a woman. So it's very male dominated, um, this this media uh, experience that I'm having. <laughs> um, and all of the all of the men really love the book. And as you know, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to bring on an editor and, and someone to help me really craft the book in a way that was effective for any creative, not not just a, a, a book for, for women creatives. Um, I think I accomplished that. It, it feels like I did. Uh, all of the, all of the interviews I've had with men, you know, they've, they've loved the book and, and appreciated and recognized that I, I made the effort to write a book that they could relate to, even though it was a story of, of a female executive. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com created by Pen for Hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base. Outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. And, and I think the other part I have to add to that uh, as well that I, I really admire you for going with a male perspective is not to give too much about the book away, but there's, there's a lot of villains in the book. We'll call them villains um, or, or people who've done some pretty terrible things to you over the years. And they were all men. So you managed to write this in such a way where it's not an, oh my goodness, you know, look what happened to me type of book. It's more of an honest accounting, like unemotional accounting of what happened. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely tried to accomplish that and had some help. <laughs> it was, this is definitely one of my favorite projects to have been a part of. Um, and really the best part for me is watching just your growth through the process, um, finishing the book. You're in the top 10% of my clients who've actually set a deadline and not only hit it, but exceeded it. Right. Uh, we came out earlier than we were expecting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you want to let everyone know, but um, that's not the last book people are going to see from Paul. Uh, no, we've got we've got a whole series planned. In fact, I, I did a podcast interview yesterday and the host was like, you know, this was such a he was like, this is this was such a nugget. It was it was an easy read, but I don't mean easy like. It was simple, but it was just, it was a fun read. And I just wanted more after that. I wanted to hear more and go into more detail of, 
you know, the things that, that you've accomplished, but also been through. And he was like, I see a sequel. And I was like, well, we have a whole series planned. <laughs> so this is not the last book. This is the first of many. I love it. I love it. Um, what I, I know you have a whole bunch of things going on in your, in your life as well. Business deals, um, major things. I don't want to say too much about unless you want to go there. I'm going to ask it more from a general point of view. How do you find the time to balance everything that you're working on? Because I think that's where most writers or creatives struggle. You know, as far as like writing the book while I was running a startup, you know, a business and, and I'm practically a one woman show as far as that goes. Like I don't have a, a top tier executive leadership team. I, I do have a lot of people that that work under me um, in, in developing and, and rolling out my initiatives for the company. But I really am a one woman show as far as like dri the driving force of the company. So that, you know, that's a lot. And when I was writing the book, I just, I have a general life balance philosophy where I can't, I can't really take a whole lot of time out of my day to reconnect with myself or balance myself. So I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of things that kind of inform my check-ins with myself throughout the day. So whether that's aromatherapy that I have in every room of my house, I can walk out of my office into the living room and based on the aromatherapy pattern that I've created for myself, like I just know that I can relax and, and exit my work mode for even a few minutes by walking into the living room and, and experiencing that, that different environment, even though it's just a few steps away from my office. Um, so I allow that for myself throughout the day. And then, as you know, Matt, I start almost every day at the beach, walking on the beach, um, very early in the morning, I, I do keep long hours. Um, as a as a creative, you keep long hours anyway. But as a startup founder, it's even longer hours. You know, sixteen plus hours a day is is a hard, you know, hard pattern to keep up with. So I just uh, I balance everything out. When I was writing the book, I I really allocated those early morning hours where I wouldn't have to, you know, take meetings or, you know, just uninterrupted time to focus on, on crafting what was, what was going to be the book. That is such great advice. Um, I'm going to go backwards forwards, but for everyone who doesn't know, Paula lives on the West coast and she is one of the only people I've ever met who is emailing me before I'm up on the East coast. Um, so that just speaks to the the hours, um, but that mental clarity at the beach, I'm sure, is helpful. That's got, you know now that weather is finally getting nice here in New York. I'll try to write outside or bring my laptop in the backyard, just something to change it up. But I also love that you you use the space inside your own house as kind of like this is not my office. So I'm, when I'm not in my office, I am not working. Right. Or I will say this. Early morning, sometimes I'm not ready to go into the office, so I call it working from home, and I'll bring my laptop into the living room, but it's a, it's a different experience, right? So it, I definitely have that kind of compartmentalization in my brain that I'm working from home, which means I'm not doing heavy lifting. I'm doing things that are, that are casual. Even if I'm on my computer, it feels a little bit more relaxed than when I'm in the office and I've got a very structured environment in my office. 
Absolutely. Uh, same for me. My office is in the basement and my children know like when I'm here, I'm working. But mm. when, I, when I venture out of that door, it's like, oh, home from work. Right. If there was a struggle, what would be, what would you say was the hardest part for you of finishing the book? Well, when I started writing the book, it didn't, you know, my story was still unfolding. Um, when I started writing the book, there was a slightly different theme to it, I guess I would say, um, because I was still building this company and, and there were there were things that were in progress that I didn't know how they were going to unfold. And then as things occurred that I didn't expect, um, it really kind of changed the outcome of, of what was in the book, um, even to the last minute, as you know. <laughs> we were really working in real time <laughs> about things that were happening in my life while I was building this business that I'm on right now and then also including things that had happened in the past and and how it all kind of tied together for me. It was kind of crazy how that how that worked out. Yeah, I got to say, I think that's probably what made this one of my most enjoyable projects is that real time unfolding like, all right, here's what happened today. Like we got to work this into the book somehow, whereas most mm -hmm. people are writing about things that only things that have happened. Yeah, it was that part of it was fun for me right like working with you guys and in real time and figuring out how it's going to play out in that final story which also you know kind of started with the with the introduction of the book too at in the end but what happened in the final chapter and also kind of made it its way into the introduction to kind of set the stage that didn't happen till the very end right so it was it was exciting and fun as far as like writing goes and creativity goes, you know, the story wasn't that exciting. It was um, quite emotional for me, but you know, that's the things, those are the things that happen. And that was what, you know, the premise of the book is here's what happened to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a reader to get that unique perspective as you're reading of thinking you're going to be left hanging, right? Cause the reader, uh, maybe I'm partial, I am partial, but the reader is rooting for Paula, like what's going to happen. And just because of the way things unfolded, by the time we got to the last chapter, they kind of know at least the majority of what happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a, it was a crazy experience. I mean, it, again, it was not, that's not where I thought the book was going to go <laughs> when we started getting into it. But then, but yeah, then things happened much differently than I anticipated. But isn't that life, right? Like, <laughs> I tell everyone that we work with, whether we're coaching, writing, it doesn't matter, but don't get too married to your outline or where you think the book is going. Do we need to have some structure and a plan and know what we're going to define success as? Sure. But if you hit the middle of the book and you, and you take a left turn, that's perfectly okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think readers enjoy that, and and back to the feedback I've gotten, you know, a lot of a lot of women, especially creative women, that have reached out to me as they've read the book, you know, first and foremost, I think everyone, women and men, have all said the same thing. It's a page turner, which is what we set out to accomplish. That it wasn't like a boring, 
behind the scenes of the music industry book, um, it is a real page turner and you want to know what happens next. And, um, but a lot of the women that have read the book have sent me, you know, super compelling, sweet messages that they can relate to those stories in, in their own lives um, and, uh, and apply what happens at the end of every chapter, which is, you know, the, the self-empowerment piece, the self-improvement piece that we wanted to, you know, when we set out to write that portion of every chapter, my goal was make it feel empowering. Like you can take this and go apply it right now. Um, and it's, and it's real world stuff. It's not like the fluffy self-help that you see in, in, in other books. And, um, it's really resonated with people. Thank you for listening to the pen podcast produced by pen for hire. Have you ever wished the people in your life would give you honest, useful criticism on your work? Advice and insight to help improve the narrative instead of just saying it's good? Well, our team at Pen for Hire specializes in developmental editing. So no matter where you are in the writing process, we can help you take it to the next level. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. And now back to the interview. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely gave very clear, actionable things that anyone can put into action in their own life, whether they're a, a musician, a writer, an actor, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, and the overarching theme of believing in yourself and not quitting, because there were so many times as you relate through the book where the easy thing for you to do would have been to just give up. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I, it's not like I don't feel like that i mean i, I am human <laughs> i do feel like giving up <laughs> like probably yesterday i felt like giving up but but i can't because i believe in what i do and i believe in myself at the end of the day and 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 i'll it'll all work out one way or another i'll make sure it works out because i believe in myself i i love that you just said that because the last two days i felt like giving up um that we're all going to have our moments where it just seems like you were crystal clear yesterday. And now today it's like, wait, what the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's healthy, right? Because sometimes you do need to just experience that. And then the important part is then have that conversation with yourself of, yes, that actually is what I want to do. Or maybe you recognize that you need to make a career change or not a career change, but a change in the trajectory of where you're going and how you're building it. Right. Which, you know, that that's part of the 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 end of each chapter in the book is, is really exploring that. Like, is this what you want to do and, and how are you going to do it and see it through? Or do you want to change what's going on in your creative house? Right? Like, do you need to renovate? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, you're, gonna, you're taking it a step further with your second book. Um, I don't know if you want to, am I, can I share the details or a little bit about what you have going on? So the next book Paula is writing is uh, really it's a man like a manual, right? A uh, a field guide to help people who want to become music scouts, um, and that's going to be tied in. I don't want to steal your thunder, but with like a college book tour for all the places mm -hmm. that offer this curriculum. Um, so please tell everyone a little bit more about what's to come there. So for anyone who's interested in getting into music scouting, they can get on your waiting list. So. I have the only A&R Scout training program in the music industry and in the world. 
And I've been training scouts and developing their career trajectories for, you know, for 20 years. It's been, it's been a mainstay, a cornerstone of, of what I do to give back. Um, as an industry executive, it took me 10 years to get an A&R job. Um, and the first thing I did when Universal moved me out to LA 20 years ago, the first thing I did was create a scouting program where I could train the, the future me's um, under the umbrella and protection of, of me um, to develop their skill set and develop their their prowess in, in discovering talent and and how to get them to you know get into their first A&R jobs or you know music scouting jobs. So as I have this program, it you know that program is a uh, about five months long, it's very immersive. And we can only take so many people in the program training at one time. So I I was like, well, I'm gonna turn this into a book. That way, anyone who wants to develop their own skill set and learn how to do AR scouting and, and develop that career path, they can do it on their own DIY style with my book. So that's what we're that's what we're writing right now. Yes, uh, to be out by the end of summer, right? So shooting for August, uh, end of July, early August. And I, I just want to stress too that this book is not theory, right? It's it's the real life skills and, and program that you have put in practice in your own career. Um, and yeah. you and your scouts have discovered some fairly notable artists, correct? Yeah, extremely notable artists. Um, many, many that are... are uh, accomplished and um, Grammy winners and, you know, really, really big talent has come through my program. You know, I think one of the ones that we mentioned in Glitter and Grit, that's uh, that's something that is kind of funny because I, I took credit for it throughout my career, but they recently published, you know, just last year during the pandemic, they published the actual check that they received, which was the first check from um, from a music company and that was that was the check that you know was from my my demo with them so it was the killers um so it's kind of kind of funny that they kept that check i'm glad they did because everyone likes to claim that they found a, or discovered an artist and um it's hard to to document that or before social media it was hard to document that um so i was i was glad that they they shared that and that one was kind of bittersweet, right? Because you you guys discovered them and then your label passed on them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that happened with hundreds of artists that that came through my program. It's the problem with labels is, you know, they have a very, very limited amount of artists that they'll sign every year. And then people like me who bring in hundreds of artists because I, I focus on research and, and early discovery, you know, there's not really a place for many of the artists that that we see are, you know, are going to grow into um, potential superstars. So that's why I no longer work at one label solely, <laughs> because I want to be able to help every artist that that I can. And I would imagine, you know, in today's day and age, so much has changed with technology and platforms that it, for someone like yourself who has this ability to uncover far more talent than most others, it, the, the ability to get these artists the recognition has become easier as well once you find them, right? I wouldn't say it's easier, but um, we, have, we, <laughs> we have more places to take them and that, more that, to help them. 
Yes. Yes, that's kind of what I meant. I misspoke. But yeah, with all the different streaming and and platforms, you're Mm -hmm. not just limited to those three or four brick and mortar. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, just the ability to kind of sit in a centralized hub, the the way they've created this company, you know, now working with independent distribution companies as well as labels, we our pipeline um, of artists that we discover have way more opportunities than than ever before. I love it. Um, Paula, as always, it, it's always amazing chatting with you. You just inspire me. I, I feel reinvigorated to get through my day. Um, yeah. If you'd be so kind, is there a share where people can buy your book, um, where they can follow you on social media and anything else that I didn't cover that you want to make sure the audience knows? Well, you can buy my book on Amazon and I will say, Matt, I don't know if I've told you this, but I am the only Paula Moore author on Amazon. Really? You can literally put in Paula Moore books and I'm the only one. So FYI. That's incredible. I know. Um, but I guess the other thing that I want to share is I am currently in, in the process of recording the audiobook, the audiobook version of Glitter and Grit with Grammy winning producer Che Pope, who's a, a big hip hop producer. So he is great with spoken word album. Um, and we are almost finished. I go back in the studio tomorrow, actually, to try to finish that up. And then we're going to release it with a compilation of 12 to 15 female artists writing songs that um, are inspired by the book. So once that gets done, we're going to release it before the end of the summer and submit it for the best audio, uh, sorry, best spoken word album category of the Grammys. So that's something I'm trying to finish up right now too, which is exciting. And yes, you can follow me on Instagram is where I'm, you know, hanging out the most. So greater than HQ underscore music discovery is my company. And then Paula Moore Ventures is my personal Instagram. Amazing. And yeah, I thank you for adding that in at the end because you were the one who enlightened me that there is a Grammy category for best audiobook. That's right. So now you can tell your authors in the future when they do their audiobooks, that's something that they should submit for. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think given your, I don't want to jinx anything, but given your experience and who you have doing the production of it, I like to believe that I now have my first soon to be Grammy award winning guest on my podcast. (laughs) You'll have to wait for that chapter to unfold. That's right. We'll see. But yeah, I do think we have a good shot. (laughs) I I do as well. Um, Paula, thank you so much for being here. For everyone listening, you just spent this time with Matt Harms and Paula Moore. Head over to Amazon, Paula Moore, as we just learned, only author on there. Um, Book title is Glitter and Grit. Follow her on Instagram um, and keep your eye open on next year's Grammys because we are are rooting for her. We'll catch you all on the next episode. Paula, thank you again. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Bye.